Autosports 2024 at the NEC in Birmingham. Day one, a busy day, lots of people wandering around. And who should I bump into? David Addison, good to see you. I haven't seen you since Brands Hatch. Happy New Year, Steve, yes. yes Season starts here, doesn't it? <laughs> it does indeed. Um, now, interestingly, there's a smile on your face and mine as well, <laughs> because that hubbub in the background, uh, just strictly talking about BTCC, for example, 90% of that is who's going to be in a car, where's the car going to be? The gossip mill is running full speed. It is. Somebody said to me this morning, pretty much that, what's the gossip? You know, have you heard about such and such a team or what have you heard about such and such a driver? And I said, well, I can't really influence it. It'll be what it will be. You know, you, you hear all these stories and different arguments. And uh, yeah, I mean, there are people on the grid that I didn't know about. There are people off the grid that I didn't know about. But it'll all shake itself out come sort of what early April. Um, and we'll have a good grid and we'll go racing. You know, look. There are obviously stories that, that one or two teams may not be coming back, which is a shame. Um, but equally, there are stories about drivers that are coming in. And if those are true, it's going to be a really interesting season. Um, uh, on top of which, you've got the, the shake-up to the regulations in terms of what we're doing with qualifying and what the hybrid is going to do and the, 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 the base power, but the extra power that hybrid will facilitate, which is something that you know we... we just haven't seen in use yet to know how good that's going to be and therefore to see the impact it's going to make um, but as ever we go into a season with so many imponderables um, there are drivers I'm hearing about going out of touring cars to other things there are drivers I'm hearing about coming into the championship um, either way it's going to be a good grid and the racing is going to be good Absolutely. Um, let's just touch on last season because I, I want to pick up on the, the changes for uh, for what's coming up. Um, Ash Sutton obviously flew and was a very worthy champion, but there was a phenomenal scrap uh, behind him for the whole season, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, and, and you know, Ash didn't have it all his own way. There was this feeling that he dominated and we went to the last event with Tom Ingram still mathematically in the hunt. Now, he hadn't had the best of seasons in terms of wins. OK, he'd have had another one at Knock Hill, but for the ride height dramas. Um, but Ash did a, a perfect job of winning a championship. And I think it is quite right that it's the likes of Ash and Tom Ingram that are fighting it out, because those, along with uh, Josh Cook, Colin Turkington, are still, for my money, the star drivers, or amongst the star drivers, in the championship. Um, if Ash had been utterly dominant, he'd have had 30 wins. Well, he didn't. Um, and that's pretty much impossible anyway. But that car was excellent. But a lot of it was down to him, clearly, because otherwise they'd have had a one, two, three, four in every race. Now, all right, that's a bit flippant. It's a bit simplistic. But you take my point that they weren't, the other Napa Fords weren't always queued up behind Ash. And a lot of that was down to his ability and, of course, the, the infamous Tony Carosa and this partnership that they have. He's a joy to watch. He always has been. And as I think I've said in commentary from time to time, whether it's him, whether it's Josh Cook, whether it's Tom Ingram, they've not peaked yet. No. You know, they're still getting better. They're still developing. They're still learning. And goodness knows how many years hence we could be here in our dotage talking about <laughs> Ash Sutton still being a, a touring car race winner in the way we are about Colin Turkington still. And, and uh, the whole sort of Napa package, the team, the engineers, the drivers, the, and obviously the finance and things that come into it, is the complete picture, or it was last season. It was, and you know, you've got a good engineering brains trust as well in there. Um, so they, they don't sort of lack in very many departments. Now, obviously, some of the teams last year were, um, how can I phrase this politely? Um, 
miffed at the difference in their expenditure compared to Napa Racing's expenditure and what that allowed them to do with pre-season testing. Now, some of those teams want or have wanted the, the um, Allied Racing Ford to peg back and others are saying, no, 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 it's up to us to go out and try and beat them and raise our game. And that, for me, is what it should be about. They, they are the benchmark team. What will be interesting this year is to see which teams have made the step forward to close that gap and by how much. Would you be in favour? They introduced this in Formula One some time ago, didn't they? On a, on a price cap on running a team for a season. Not being a team owner, it's easy for me to answer this <laughs> and say no. Um, and, and, and these things are largely championed by impecunious teams, aren't they? Yeah. So I can see the benefit of them, but you can never really stop people spending in, in, in different respects. Um, no, I think I think the championship has found its level and it, 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 it can pretty much survive as it is um, it's a shame that there are teams that aren't seemingly going to be on the grid for uh, budgetary reasons but no motorsport is cheap so you could apply the should there be a cost cap to anything GT racing or the Honda Civic Cup even you know anything is going to be expensive because it's an expensive sport let's look ahead to the season which starts at Donington Park in not too many months weeks away um, Key changes are the um, hybrid, power in the hybrid, yeah. uh, and of course qualifying. Um, I'm going to have to get you to explain <laughs> qualifying because I'm not sure oh, I've good. read it properly and understood it. Right. Um, but it is a proven formula in, uh, is it IndyCar? Yes. Do they use it? So, yeah. uh, what's the simple explanation, if possible? Now, at this point, you might start to realise whether you're listening to the original recording or the edit <laughs> as to how accurate I was. Um, if this sounds rambly, this is the original, and if it's really seamless, this is the edit we did two days later. No, I think it's something along the lines of this, deep breath, and then please yawn with your mouth closed. But at the end of free practice, two, the top 10 even and the top 10 odd numbers have a session of their own, and it is the top six out of each session that goes into Q three as it then becomes out of which you get the top six for q4 which determines the pointy end of the grid so effectively four 10 minute segments that's going to be great for the fans because that's extra track time more excitement on the track what do you think the teams are going to make of this oh i think they're going to love it when they're on pole position and they're, they're going to complain like you know what when they are 13th in free practice two and didn't get in there um i think because of the nature of the session, you are going to find some stoppages, and, and, and it perhaps does suggest that there, there are going to be damaged cars, but that's been true of, of any qualifying session. Um, I like qualifying. I know it's only a means to an end, because as soon as race one starts, it goes out of the window. But it will give us an interesting set of grids, no doubt, over the course of the year. And from a television point of view, with fewer cars on track, it means you can focus on that driver. The graphics can show you what the time is around sectors. And it is fascinating. I know um, Tim Harvey talks about the first session of the year when we don't have hybrid or in the past we didn't have ballast and how everyone's on a level playing field. And it's a great session to watch. And, and, and to have something similar with, with a limited number of cars and being able to focus the attention on them. And don't forget, 10 minutes around, say, Snetterton 300. It's not many laps. No. You know, take out an out lap. And if you're in... Q1 or Q3 trim you're going to want to be in relatively early so you're at the front of the queue to get out for your next session not not traipsing in late um, you're not going to get many laps in anyway so so the, the the pressure is on drivers to deliver 
The simpler one is hybrid. Yeah. So the power is going up, but the way it's deployed is going to stay the same. Now that's going to have a big impact, particularly for those drivers six, seven, eight on the grid who've got full deployment of that chasing when they've got that extra power. Yeah, the, the base power of the cars will be a bit less and therefore it's compensated for by this increase in the hybrid, as you say, uh, with the thought that instead of when the driver deploys the hybrid, it being a, a gentle push, this is a sort of almost kick in the back, whoa, we've hit the hybrid. Um, and so the impact that is going to make should be greater. Um, and I think that will be fascinating to see how it is used at different circuits because, you know, somewhere like Knock Hill, you're going to have to be careful because the straights aren't long. The last thing you need is to suddenly arrive at, let's say, Duffer's Dip with too much power and you've got to fight it around the corner or coming out of the chicane down to Clark. You know, if you get there too quickly, especially in the wet, it could all get quite lively. It's going to be interesting in that first couple of events, Donington and Brands, to see how the drivers are treating it and what they've learned in testing about it. Um, obviously, we've talked about the gossip, the hubbub, uh, the ifs, whats and maybes that are being discussed starting uh, today here in the NEC. If uh, some of those come to fruition, some of the drivers and some of the moves that, that you and I have, have heard whispered about come to fruition, it's going to make for an interesting season, as you've already said. Are there going to be any real surprises? Are we going to get a jack-in-the-box in there that's really going to shake things up, do you think? Yes, if what one hears on the grapevine comes to fruition. So let's have this conversation again um, on a monthly basis. Uh, because I'm being told there are one or two drivers coming into the championship that haven't been on the grid for a little while. And they're not here just because they've got nothing to do on a, on a weekend. They're here to win. Um, so, yes, I think there will be some interest. And I think also the, the nature of the championship, if you think, as an example, that you've now got... Toyota Gazoo Racing UK or Speedworks Motorsport, specifically Speedworks with four licenses, that's an increase of cars, that increases their chances. So the balance of power um, is going to shift, if only in terms of strength in numbers. And if you've got more cars and you've got more good drivers, then of course you're in a better position to win, aren't you? Um, but yeah, I mean, from, from what the rumour mill is saying, I would be very, very tempted at the moment to go and put my 20p on that Paul O'Neill-driven MG run by Andy Rouse. <laughs> now, now you've started the ball rolling, haven't you? Goodness, you're, as soon as this goes out, your phone's going to start good night. Yeah, I'm yeah, off absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's going to be, hopefully, another good season for the fans as well. Obviously, you're still going to be involved with the TV coverage, coverage you and Tim Harvey, um, and I know that goes down very well. The trackside support seems to be increasing because the whole Toka package has something for everybody. It does, and it's, from the fans' point of view, easily accessible, and it's relatable, and we go to almost every region of the UK. We've got heroes and villains, so you know, people watch it as a soap opera. Um, there are very few, if any, other sports where you can wake up in the morning, decide to go to an event, and go meet the participant before they take centre stage. You can do that, go to the pit lane walkabout, get the autograph of your favourite driver, cheer him on in the race an hour afterwards, if that. Um, the racing, I think, will be better this year. Um, the support package is going to be interesting again we've got one or two different things like Croft pre-66 touring cars looking forward to that yeah. because that'll be something different and um, a chance to compare and contrast how touring car racing has moved on uh, so I think it's going to be another good season I, I would say that wouldn't I but I genuinely believe that we are in for another good year we've got some excellent drivers run by good teams great circuits um, just a shame we have to wait until the end of April 
I'm glad you mentioned good circuits because just finally, like you, I follow a lot of the, the fan forums uh, on social media. There is always a discussion about the calendar and the circuits that the series and the championship visits. Lots of suggestions as where it might go to. I, I know I've got a favourite of mine which I think would be quite nice to, to go to. Um, you know, there's a couple of them that I think would be worth revisiting that we don't do at the moment. What about you? Is the circuit you'd like to see the series go back to or to go to for, for a first time? Well, there's a caveat, isn't there, which is it is not that easy no, to put the no. Toker Paddock into, let's say, Castle Coombe because there just is not the space. And the, the, the local roads, I'm afraid to say, just probably couldn't cope with it. So, you know, there are restrictions, there are limits, and therefore we pretty much go to where we can go. Would I like to go back to another circuit? Well, yeah, I would. Uh, I'd like to go back to Rockingham. I know oh, we can't. Me too. That was because mine. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, it used to give good racing. Yeah. I know it was a, um, an oddball of a circuit in many ways. If I had a magic wand, um, I would wave it at a local council and have a street race because I think that's the one thing that the championship misses. When I used to go out to Australia, I used to go and do two or three V8 supercar races a year, 10 years plus ago. And two of those three were street courses. And the third one was Bathurst, which is effectively a public road anyway. But to, to see how a city came alive, like Surfers Paradise, or when we went to, to the Homebush area of Sydney, Sydney Olympic Park, to embrace the race, um, I think is, is fantastic. And that, if it were possible, I know it's a pipe dream because it's expensive and road closures and laws to pass to close the roads and, and, and. It's not that easy. But we did it in the 80s with Birmingham. Um, I would love there to be a, a street race somewhere. But in the absence of that, I don't think the calendar is half bad, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. So that's another half a pebble in yeah, the pond for discussion. Yes. Yes. David, always a pleasure to catch up with you. It won't be that long before we're, we're looking ahead to the season at Donington Park. But for now, enjoy the rest of the show. And you, Steve. Thanks very much.